hear that train a coming down past Cumberland Road. Exploring faith journeys and inspiring ministries that embody the good news of God, this is the Cumberland Road. I'm your host, T.J. Melanoski, and today we have with us Bird Broyles. Bird was born in Johnson City, Tennessee. He is four and a half generation Cumberland Presbyterian. He's going to explain that to us here in just a few minutes. He's a graduate of East Tennessee State University, specializing in special education. He's also a graduate of the program of alternate studies. He served the Philadelphia Cumberland Presbyterian Church in Limestone, Tennessee, and he is the first person to submit a resignation the week after his ordination. Currently, Bird is the minister at Pleasant Mount Cumberland Presbyterian Church right outside of Columbia, Tennessee. Bird, it's good to have you on the podcast today. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for having me. When was your first encounter with God? You know, that's an interesting question. Uh, I guess you could say figuratively. It was probably my parents. You know, I, I'm a son of a minister, and my mother was a devout Christian as well. Uh, started out Baptist, but she finally uh, learned better and uh, came over to Cumberland Presbyterian. And um, my dad was originally Cumberland Presbyterian, as well as my grandparents and my great-grandparents. And actually, we lost the record, so we really don't know how far back it goes. The church started in 1847, I think it was. And so uh, the reason I'm a four-and-a-half generation Cumberland Presbyterian is my grandma actually uh, joined the regular Presbyterian church for about three years in the 40s, and we had to disown her. So... <laughs> But uh, really, that was my first experience with uh, God is just through them and how they interacted with me and how they interacted with the world. And, you know, when you're a preacher's kid, uh, everybody's so nice and they give you stuff and they always say hello and tell you how smart you are. And then you go out in the world thinking, I really am special. Uh, I really am special. I, people love me because I'm so special. And then you go out in the world, and I, I'd actually joined the Navy, and it uh, had a Marine drill instructor who every day said, what is wrong with you, Broyles? Are you a complete idiot or all rednecks this stupid? I think if I snuck in and killed you or not, they'd give me a reward because you're a waste of U.S. government time and money. And so uh, I consider boot camp to be a significant self-esteem building course. <laughs> um, and, you know, that's, that's just... Uh, one of those things that uh, you learn growing up that the church is not like the real world. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, especially in my ministry now, even after I've been saved and uh, I've sort of been out in the world for a while, I, you know, I have trouble processing uh, anger and people who are upset. I had an elder yell at me one time and I was thinking, is that all you got? <laughs> my real instructor was way tougher than you, man. Um, you know, and then the whole thing was I didn't hand out roses during Mother's Day. And so, uh, you know, he, he had a lot of issues, I guess, with that. And, I, you know, I'm trying to understand how you feel, sir. I, I, I'm trying to take you seriously, but, you know, you might want to bring a pistol or, or slash my tires or something because it's just not it's not affecting me. Um, but <laughs> as pastors, we're supposed to be sensitive and caring and 
understanding and loving, but that's just not me. (laughs) (laughs) I have a hard time with it. I really do. And, you know, part of my uh, experience with God really, uh, uh, you know, I, I was with the Gideons for three years, handing out Bibles and stuff. And about three years in, they kicked me out. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, it took them three years. I don't know why you guys haven't done it yet. But anyways, uh, they have this public speaking format that you're supposed to follow. And you're supposed to talk about the Gideons and talk about the Bibles and talk about the money. And, and I'm just not good with people telling me what to do. And so uh, I, I really just went into these Gideon speeches and told my story, which I'm about to tell to you. And funnily enough, I, I was born in 1974, but my story actually starts in 1949, believe it or not. Uh, there was a young man, and I'll not tell his name. Some of you may recognize it, but he had just got home from World War II and had fought in combat. And his wife had sent him a Dear John letter and had just uh, you know, blown him away. He didn't know what to do. He got back home. He was unmarried now, no job, no home, no nothing. And so he used what money he had to stay drunk. And uh, one night he was uh, so drunk he couldn't drive home. And he stopped at a motel. And as he was laying there on the bed, he thought, I just can't sleep. I've got all this stuff on my mind, PTSD, you know, raging. And uh, he pulled out the drawer and there was that Gideon Bible. And he began to read it and didn't stop reading it for about 60 years. He just died here recently. And he actually started a radio show, and probably about 1986, there was a, a man in Neon, Kentucky, who began listening to that radio show, and began really get involved in the Bible, and going to church, and got saved, and his whole family started going to church, and they all got saved, and one of them, for some reason, I don't know what he was thinking, but moved to Johnson City in the early 90s, I believe it was. And I uh, got a job at the Eastman Chemical Company and was driving back to work. And I was just, finances were horrible. You know, Eastman was the best job in East Tennessee, but it wasn't that great not to start out. And uh, I was riding to work with him to save money on gas. And he began to uh, witness. And uh, even though I'd grown up in church, this man knew the Bible like you wouldn't believe. And I thought to myself, you know, I grew up in church. I should know this stuff. And it kept weighing on my mind over the years. And I kept thinking back to those rides we took when he would explain things out of the Bible and tell me the things that I should have already known. And then in about 2005, I was probably uh, about as down as you can get and uh, pulled out my Bible and didn't get even a chapter in when I hit my knees. And there I went and uh, gave my life to the Lord. And ever since then, it's just been an adventure. It really has. What struggles and obstacles uh, did you face when you mentioned earlier that you were in the Navy and then you mm-hmm. found yourself in East Tennessee in the Johnson city area? Um, what struggles and obstacles did you face that actually brought you to your knees? Uh, oh, it was just everything, uh, moving around, never having a decent job, uh, couldn't keep a job. <laughs> so yeah, I've actually been a minister longer than I ever did anything. Uh, and so it was really difficult for, you know, it's ever few months. It seemed like we were having more trouble and more trouble. We moved up to East Tennessee and I'd married Melissa and moved her up there and she was away from her parents. So our relationship was strained. And so between money and 
core relationships and poor decisions. <laughs> well, God gets you where he needs you to be one way or the other. It's kind of like uh, the idea of uh, uh, progressive sanctification. That's what we call it. It's the big $20 word, but I won't charge you today. Um, you know, it's just, you know, he gets you where he needs you to be sometimes, even after you're saved. We, he uses these situations in our lives and in our communities to make us better people. And I think that really helps as a minister when I'm dealing with people who have these issues because I've been there. You know, I try not to tell too much because, you know, it could ruin my reputation. So, but as pastor, you're supposed to lead people through these situations and lead by example uh, how the Christian is meant to handle these issues, trials and tribulations, the Bible says. And, you know, a lot of times I, I'm just, I have to be honest, I'm just faking it. But, <laughs> you know, fake it till you make it. That's our motto at uh, Pleasant Mount. But no, seriously, I, I don't stress out because, you know, really, when you look at it from the big picture, it's God's job to put us where we need to be. It's not ours. And so I know a lot of times in my life when it comes to uh, scrubbing us and, and making us shiny and the way we're supposed to be, the way God wants us, he, he had to break out the steel wool a couple of times. and <laughs> It hurt. It, it, it really stings. So how have some of your, uh, your perceptions, how are they different? And um, what is your journey like since becoming a Christian? Um, oh, perceptions. Ooh, that's a tough one. Well, I'd say every day, I, especially uh, the last few years when I, I got a lot of things. God helped me get a lot of things straightened out, mainly my attitude. Um, but every day I wake up with the knowledge that I'm blessed to be alive. I mean, I really am. Uh, so many times I should have been dead. <laughs> Bad decisions lead you to places where you could easily get hurt. Uh, I was even homeless for a while. You know, not many people know that. I guess everybody's going to know that now. Uh, bad decisions led me to being homeless and I actually used to take a bath in an old baptismal back behind a Baptist church. Uh, I tried the Pres yeah, I tried the Presbyterian church, but the little cup just took forever to wash with. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this is a public service announcement from the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. If you find yourself homeless, go to a Baptist church. Thank you very much. Uh, but seriously, I'm uh, really blessed to have a wonderful family. My wife is an integral part of my family, integral part of my ministry, really. I couldn't do it without her. She, she really gives me a sane perspective that uh, I don't always, always understand. Um, and so I can compare her perception of events and how people are saying things and to what, how I feel and what actual reality is. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, perception of that. Another thing, my daughter's been awesome. She's uh, become quite the musician. Uh, the, as a matter of fact, last Sunday I showed her a song and uh, how great thou, thou art. And she said, let me go get my guitar. And she got up in front of everybody and played it, just looking at it once. I was wow. like, come on, we looked at it for three seconds. Talented people make me sick. They really do. But anyways, uh, my perception of things, I'm just, you know, there's more joy. Uh, even in hard times, there's more joy. There's more peace. There's knowing that God's in control. And it just gets you through the hard times. And you got to remember it in the good times as well. I'm having some really good times. Mm -hmm. So what is it about God that keeps you coming back and identifying as a Christian? Well, you know, that's, um, that's a tough one. Um, uh, uh, just the fact that uh, he is who he is, and I believe who he is, and I believe uh, that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. And uh, 
it's just one of those things that I guess, you know, especially when you keep at it, that's kind of like playing the guitar. You know, you just got to keep at it. And even though it doesn't work out too well sometimes, sometimes it seems like you're wasting your time. But in the end, you eventually get sort of a polished product. And uh, Christianity is much the same way. If you can get through those struggles at the beginning, when you're really struggling to try to fit church into your schedule, you're really trying to struggle to fit Bible study. I, matter of fact, my old Bible here, it's got all kinds of dirty smudges on it because I would fall asleep and pow, I would hit that Bible. And sometimes I wouldn't even wake up when I hit it and I would just lay there and drool all over it. So, you know, the, the, people have difficult lives, I know, especially if you're working different shifts and trying to squeeze all that Christian stuff in there. It's just uh, it's something you really got to work at. And and I'm very persistent. <laughs> Bird, how in the world did you find ministry or how did ministry find you? Oh, my goodness. Um, ministry let's see here well i have to say that you remember the cumber list yeah uh, you know the cumber list my dad was just up big on the cumber list he said, you got to have the, you got to look at the cumber list you got to look at the cumber list and so uh, i had just recently gotten saved didn't have a computer and was starting back to college to finish my degree after four tries but anyway and so uh, that's when i got back into special education and my aunt gave me a computer and I said, shoot, yeah, I'm going to get on this cumber list and see what's going on. And somebody would write something controversial, you know, and you'd have about 150 emails. And, uh, you know, it'd take you about five hours to sort through all of them. <laughs> and, uh, and my dad just lived off that for months until he finally said, I'm not getting on that thing anymore. And, and come to find out, I think that actually caused two of his heart attacks. But anyways, uh, the thing about the Cumberlist I really loved is that uh, you get to have honest conversations because face to face, a lot of times people are reserved. They don't want to talk about what they believe. Religion is one of those subjects that you really got to tread carefully about. And, and as we know, social media has really become big and we know what danger lurks in social media. But I really enjoyed it. The, the conversations and confrontations even. Uh, I think, uh, you know, just being able to talk about things is really important. And it's going to be one of those things that uh, I think we're going to have to do as a group of ministers in the Cumberland Presbyterian Church is to uh, begin to have those open conversations, even though they lead the confrontation sometimes, and sort of get past some of this stuff that's holding us back. But, uh, you know, there's that voice in my head. You know, some people have that sweet, small, still voice of God leading them. And all I hear is, what's wrong with you, Broyles? Are you some kind of idiot? There's that voice again, that sweet voice of evil. but. Uh, that, that's what I think sometimes that we just got to uh, keep working at it, keep moving forward together and really uh, work together. Or, you know, if you're not moving and you're standing still, you can quote me on that, but you'll have to pay me 0.2 cents <laughs> every time you use it, 0.2 cents. That's my retirement plan. All right. You were talking about the Cumber List. And so from the Cumber List, how did you enter into the ministry? Oh, the minister. Yeah. Um, oh, well, I just I really got wrapped up. And because people would say something that uh, was controversial, of course, I loved it. And, uh, you know, back then we didn't even understand what a troll was. For those of you out there listening, a troll is somebody who says something controversial just to make people mad. And it turns out that I had a spiritual gift for that. <laughs> it, it's actually in the Bible, trolling. It's Third uh, Corinthians chapter two, I believe. And so. Uh, it was one of those things that I really got into studying the Bible. And the more I studied it, it seemed like the more opportunities came up. 
it's like uh, the, the Sunday school teacher was in the hospital and they said, who's going to teach Sunday school? Bird, why don't you do it? And so they couldn't get anybody else. So I kind of wound up filling that role. And then later on, I said, why don't we have a Bible study? And they said, what time do you want to have it? I said, well, how about six? They said, what are you going to talk about? I said, me? <laughs> I want somebody to teach me about the Bible. What are you talking about? Have a Bible study. I just got saved, you know, three weeks ago. But uh, and so getting into Bible study really got me into the word. And people would ask questions sometimes, you know, honest questions that was just stumped me. And so sometimes the Holy Ghost would say, well, look at the next verse. And then sometimes uh, he wouldn't say anything. And then I have to go back and study and tell him the answer next week. And so uh, more opportunities came up, more things uh, just opened up, doors open. And the next thing you know, I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe, maybe the ministry is where I'm headed. I don't know. So I talked to some elders about it there at Philadelphia and they said, yeah, yeah, we, we need somebody to fill in on third Sundays anyway. And so that, that's kind of you know, opportunity opened up. My dad used to call it red lights, green lights. And so if you get a green light, keep going. You get a stoplight, give up and try something else. And so I have yet to find a red light. And so uh, I'm just going to keep moving. So I'm not standing still, I guess. <laughs> Point two cents. From Philadelphia, teaching Sunday school class, Bible study, then filling in every third Sunday, grew into your call to ministry then. I did. Well, let's jump ahead a little bit, Burr. Um, where's God leading you now? Uh, that's a good question. You know, that's that's one of those things that uh, you find yourself in a ministry and, and you're always wondering. I, I am. I don't know if anybody else is. Maybe this is just a, I shouldn't admit this, but I'm always wondering if I made the right choice. If I made, you know, if I should have went somewhere else or if I should be doing something else or you know, I probably got 12 better things to do than have this podcast right now. You know, I, I'm ADHD, really. And so uh, I have trouble focusing on one thing. And so I'm always thinking, is there something else that I'm supposed to be doing? Is there a little bit more? Is there another uh, visitation that I should be doing right now? And so uh, where is it leading me? I, I'm still praying about that. I really I really don't know. Um, looking for opportunities always. I know the the worship communities that uh, we talked about a while back in a Zoom meeting are something that I, I've got in my head, and I'm looking for an opportunity to maybe start something like that. Um, also, some other issues, some ministry. And, I, you know, I think that uh, being in a special education really changes my perspective on the ministry quite a bit. Uh, we took class after class in college, and we understood how the brain works. You know, it wasn't a complete medical you know, thing, but... Uh, trying to figure out how the brain works and how kids learn and how do we teach kids who, you know, who are used to television and YouTube and they've got the attention span of a two month old puppy, you know, it's just that blah, 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 all over the place. And that's the way I am anyway. So I understand that completely. And we learned all the names like Maslow and Piaget and Freud and Young and all those guys. And uh, they've, they've invested thousands of hours of research and experiments and billions of taxpayer dollars um, just to try to figure out how we teach people these things. And the funny thing about it is after all these, you know, years and hours and thousands of dollars, uh, we find out that really kids in particular are, uh, they're not, you know, you can't just lecture all day. What you do is you, you tell them a little bit of something and then you set up something for them to do, which uses that information you just told them. And that really cements it in the brain. Something so, tangible. Something tangible, something they can put their hands on, they can touch, turn over, 
you know, sniff it if they want to. And so uh, it's funny that, in my opinion, it took 2,000 years for science to catch up with the Bible because we find in Romans 1 and James 2, written 2,000 years ago, that, hey, be not just hearers of the word, but doers. And I think that's really where I'm trying to get into is some kind of a doing, a ministry-centered ministry, if you will, uh, mm. where we're really doing something. We're not just talking to the people in the congregation and hoping they remember some of it after they uh, glut Sunday afternoon and, and take a nap, because that's, that's usually what I do. And so uh, if you ask me what I preached on last Sunday, I couldn't tell you. And so, uh, you know, actually taking what we hear and, and actually doing something with it is really, I think, where it's at. Bird, where do you see God in the world today? Well, I tell you what, he's hard to find. I mean, he, <clears throat> he's there, but uh, especially if you spend much, too much time on uh, social media or YouTube, <laughs> he's really hard to find. Um, you know, even some of the Christian stuff, we shut down the schools back in March, and nobody wanted me to come visit them. And so, no, no, keep that, you know, you've got a chance of having corona, so you just stay home and we'll just call me every now and then. That'll be fine. So I'm sitting here twiddling my thumbs and trying to figure out what in the world to do with myself. And uh, after I practiced guitar for two or three hours, I was like, there's got to be something else. And so I got to surfing around for some different preachers on YouTube and some different uh, Bible studies and that kind of thing. And even in that stuff, I'm telling you, sometimes God's not in it. And so uh, it's one of those things. I really don't think that, uh, that God intended to just force himself on anybody. What he intended to do was through us, to be influences on the people around us. And if we continue to keep him at our forefront and continue to interact with people in a godly fashion, which is really hard for me, but uh, interact with people and, and have that influence upon people that uh, we can eventually get God in their lives as well as he's in our lives. What ideas and aspirations do you have for the church? I would say probably, uh, kind of like what I was talking about before with just uh, I think if we have more conversations, I know if you've kept up with Facebook, you'll find that conversations are sometimes difficult. Uh, we might want to move to a more face-to-face -face kind of a thing where we can be more civil to each other. But uh, having those conversations that and, and resolving some of those differences, a lot of times you don't really have to agree. What you need to do is understand somebody's perspective, and you know you can sort of uh, accept you know, what they believe and what I believe and just say, you know what, we might disagree on this point, but we can still move forward as a group. You know, we're supposed to be a connected church. You know, that's our big thing. They, they said that every five minutes and pause. But in reality, when you get out there, it's, you know, some ministers are just not really interested in working with other churches. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's one of the things we really need to change. We need to regain that connectedness and, and move forward from there. Yeah, unity does not mean conformity. Absolutely. Those are two, those are two very different things. Mm -hmm. Bird, by far, you have been my most entertaining guest, and I appreciate your time. Where can our listeners learn more about you and your ministry, and how can they keep in contact with you and keep up with your faith journey? I do have a Facebook page. We have the Pleasant Mount uh, Facebook page. We also have, I had to start my own. So it's at Lawn Broils. And so they can look at that. Also, email. Matter of fact, my number and email is all over Columbia. 
Bird, I want to thank you and thank you for your contribution. Bird wrote and produced the intro and the outro to this episode's podcast. And I uh, thank you for that, for uh, sharing that with everybody. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Tell a friend and travel with us on our next journey down Cumberland Road. done